because you're not always going to have your Fitbit or your phone or something to weigh your calories but like when you go and experiment with the idea to actually learn and gain knowledge that should stick with you forever or at least for a long time moving forward instead of well oh what did my phone say okay I need to go walk more like you need to understand what this stuff feels like Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of For Fit's Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. This week's bit of a different episode, Rudds, just myself and you are going to have a little chat about when we took on the 10,000 calorie challenge recently. Uh, did you enjoy the experience? I did enjoy certain aspects of the experience. Um, maybe the first bit where we were on for brunch together. That was yeah, fantastic. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Nice sunny day in Dublin uh, with two of your best mates eating whatever you wanted yeah it was good so basically to give the overview of kind of to tell people what is a 10,000 calorie challenge runs. so I think it's something that's been made popular on YouTube and various other um, maybe social media outlets where people who mostly from the fitness industry have taken on eating 10,000 calories worth of food in a day uh, we were actually inspired by Conor Galgi who Galgi. Wa- who was um who was one of the trainers here. He did his internship with us and we found a YouTube video of him doing, was it the same or Did he try 20,000 calories? I think he, I think he did. He is a bit of a mad fella. Um, He was, yeah, he tried 20,000 calories. He thought the 10,000 calories was lame and uh, it was very inspirational yet hilarious video from Galgi actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of saw that and we were just chatting and we said, it would be cool to do that one day. But the idea we were kicking around was the idea of, kind of processed foods versus unprocessed foods and do a spin on that because yep. we hadn't seen much of that done yeah something a little bit different something a little bit different um so that's kind of where the idea was born um we stuck to real life as well because i took on the traditionally more healthy unprocessed foods and rudd stuck to his usual eating regime of heavily processed high sugar based fat based foods like he usually eats every day uh that you'll never actually see on his instagram to be fair but we kind of threw it out where you were taking on exactly that the more processed foods typically perceived foods that are bad for you yeah and i went with the route of unprocessed foods mostly single ingredient and um it was very difficult for both of us funnily enough we thought that you know you might find the experience quite easy with the more you know perceived unhealthy foods absolutely even if you think of just why that might be easier for me uh set aside the body weight uh the obvious the obvious advantage that i had but just the types of food when you're eating foods that are higher in fat higher in sugar they're more palatable it tends to be easier to overeat on those things so you're going to find it harder to get full on those things but also they tend to be lower in fiber so if they're lower in fiber fiber helps to fill us so if they're lower in fiber should theoretically be able to eat more of them and the last piece is they're normally more calorie dense so for a plate of food i'm normally getting in a much greater volume of calories than someone who'd be eating more unprocessed food so in theory it was going to be an easy job for me in practice not so much what did you hit in the end so I got 10,000 calories Um I finished it roughly around 9.30, 10pm on the Saturday night Um then delved into a deep food coma <laughs> and uh, night sweats and night terrors uh, for the rest of the evening. Which we'll, that's, we'll talk about kind of like the side effects of what we both experienced from the basically overeating excessively throughout the day. But uh, to go back to what you're talking about, 
it should have then be perceived for me to be a little bit more difficult hitting, you know, exactly like I said, more fiber dense food, not necessarily as calorific, uh, less palatable as such. But one of the interesting things that I found and it was what people were, I was basically getting a bit of stick from people on Instagram. I put up, um, we, we tracked the whole thing through our Instagram yeah. stories for the day just to show every meal that we're eating. Um, and I had what I thought was probably quite a standard breakfast for me that morning. I had porridge uh, with berries, nuts, um, some flaxseed oil, milk, a yogurt, uh, a piece of fruit, and I threw in um, a couple of other small bits just to add in Tinuits, but like that clocked in. It wasn't very different to what I'd have on a usual day, and I had something like nearly 1,800 calories in what I thought was sort of a normal breakfast. And when I put that up on Instagram, loads of people... Uh, even guys who work in the fitness industry were messaging me saying you're a liar you're, they were calling me out for saying I was basically uh, spoofing and I was trying to add calories and one of the big things that I learned from doing that through my fitness pal was looking at a meal that I would normally eat every day and realizing how many calories are actually in it and how probably skewed a lot of us think portion sizes are so like my typical portion size of porridge is probably almost five times what the standard recommended guideline is on the back of a box of porridge. So I thought that was one of the biggest things that I took from the whole day was how not only I personally was a little bit thrown by the servant size, but how pretty much everybody who viewed my Instagram story that left a comment also you know, was perceiving things to be a lot less calories than actually was in the food. I thought that was very interesting. I think that like that was two things. I think in that one is um, Ben Coomba talked about it when he came over and spoke um, at the start of the last transformation, when he said track your calories for a week, just to get an idea, like you said, yeah. of what's in your food. Um, and that's going to be as part of the next transformation challenge with us. We're going to do a little experiment with that just to give people that awareness of what's in their food. Um, so they can kind of start to make better decisions yeah. even without the app. Um, and the second thing is just small adjustments. So I'd say, I'd imagine even though that was a fairly standard breakfast for you, I'd imagine maybe the portion size was a little bigger than normal. Yeah, yeah. And just that little bigger can make such a huge difference. So for me, I weigh out my oats in a cup. So every morning I just make the same breakfast where I just pour a cup of oats and then pour that in a bowl and then build my overnight oats on top of that. But when I first started doing that, I was shocked at how much smaller a cup was than what I was just free pouring. Yeah. Yeah. When I was free pouring, it was about a cup and a half. But if you think of that, that's an extra 50% calories yeah. in that. So I think simple adjustments for people at home could be just, like you said, where you start tracking your calories for a little bit, get a rough idea of how, is in it, how much is in it. But also then being really mindful of when you're eyeballing your plate, kind of what's a similar portion size to normal. And if it's a bit bigger even though it's perceived yeah. good food it's still going to add up those that, extra calories and that's so important for people who don't say like I know we try and preach as much as possible to prepare your own meals and know what's in your food but like the reality of it is it's not always possible no. all the time if you're having friends friends or at somebody's house or whatever it is you're having dinner that you haven't cooked yourself or a meal out you know if you're consistently on top of your own meals and you know that your portion size is in line with your goals like you said, when you're, you're eyeballing that plate, you know straight away, okay, if there's X amount of potatoes or mash or whatever it is, like just eat 80% of that or 70% of that. And you can actually make better decisions because you have the knowledge and you're now equipped with the tools to know roughly what's going to suit your goals. Yeah, I think it's thinking of food in terms of one, the quality of the food. So that's definitely one piece of the equation, trying to nail down better quality food. But then the second piece is going how much of it is on the plate and becoming aware of that no matter what metric you use. Yeah. 
Um, because what I see in my coaching a huge amount with people is they might switch to eating better foods and then they forget or they just take it as free license and then they might become a little disheartened because they're eating all this good food yeah. but they're not seeing the change in their body they want but then we when we go back and actually look at their portion sizes they're just overeating so then when we take the portion size down a little bit then that's when the change starts to happen and the response to that as well is it's it's like you, we talk about a lot is kind of looking at the quality first and the quantity comes second. And like, that's a fairly natural thing for people to go through is improving the quality of their food. I'd say if we were to look at 80, 90% of people who are in a position where they want to improve their body composition, quality is generally the biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's quality and then the quantity and then the timing and all the smaller details. So if people can look at tidying up their food first, which is why this is the perfect example, you've got kind of the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But um, then the quantity afterwards, like, when you look at it from that point of view, quality and quantity mixed together, even when you were eating, say, poor quality foods, what were the challenges for you when still trying to get that amount of calories from what seemed like poor foods? Did you find you were still eating huge portions or were you just eating normal portions of those foods? The biggest challenge for me was how my body was reacting to the foods. So in terms of just breaking down the day, in my head, I was going to have multiple meals and I'd kind of planned out my uh, my assault of all the wonderful things that I was going to eat and how I was going to enjoy it. Um, you went very heavy on that breakfast, by the way. You, yeah. you touched on it at the start. We went to 250 Square in uh, Rathmines. Um, and my God, I, like the poor lady who was trying to serve you didn't really know what to do. What, what like, was there pancakes and everything lobbed in on the end of that? Yeah. Lots of Nutella going. Yeah, no, it was, it was like the uh, Homer Simpson in the, in the Simpsons when they go to the all you can eat seafood buffet. Yeah, um, hum, 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 hum. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so I kind of had my plan uh, and then we went for brunch and then like, so I ordered pancakes with this toffee um, thing. It was absolutely delicious. I had like ch- uh, scrambled eggs with chorizo and fried potatoes so trying to get as much fat as i could into that meal to bump up the calories um i also had like a toasted croissant with cheese and ham in it as well i smashed off a couple of thousand calories and that maybe say two to three thousand calories so i was thinking oh this is easy if i just do this another three times during the day i'm easily going to accomplish this but then what i found was as enjoyable as it was 20 minutes later, it didn't feel great because of all the sugar and all the fat. Then I just, my body wouldn't get hungry for like four hours. So I went to the Leinster game to watch Reese play uh, semi-finals against Munster. And that was like four hours after. I sit in the stands and there's an ice cream van, there's burgers, there's everything. So in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to go there and I eat that stuff. I'm going to box off another couple of thousand calories. But I was just like, I can't physically do it. I don't feel well. So then I was driving home and this is about, so my plan had gone out the window. Now this is about four or five o'clock in the evening. And under I'm, pressure at this stage. And I've only got like two, three thousand in the bank. I'm under serious pressure. So I was like, right, time to man up. So I drove into Little and uh, got like an ice cream to eat while I was walking around Little <laughs> to just box that a, off. A Tober like a uh, one? No, just a Magnum from the corner <laughs> shop outside. <laughs> Uh, just to kind of start start the engine running and then went in and just bought like uh, tubs of ice cream loads of blocks of cheese loads of blocks of salami and processed meats uh uh like crisps chocolate everything and just went home and basically sat on the couch and tried to square off as much as that as i could um but like it was surprising 
loads of sweet things. I couldn't bring myself to eat them after all the sweet in the breakfast. So I ended up just eating like a block of cheese, a block of salami and a few other bits. It was, and it actually, like in my head, it was going to be so enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't enjoyable at all. And then I felt terrible again for hours afterwards. Got to about eight. And I was like, oh. Reese came home and he's like, how are you getting on? I was like, mate, it's so hard. <laughs> Uh, I'm dying here. And then he, he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just going to have to man up and get a Domino's. And that's going to... Good choice. Yeah, very calorie dense. That's going to box off a lot. So uh, my plan was a Domino's with a few of the bits that go on the side, garlic bread, etc. Um, and then a tub of ice cream. So that was what I'd worked it out. I kind of worked ahead. If I plugged in those values, that would get me over 10,000. Okay, okay. So th- I, all I had to do was finish that off and take it home. Um and I did, but it was such a struggle, and yeah. I felt so bad after it. So the the biggest challenge for me was how the my body, b- yeah. my body was just going stop. This is so bad. Stop, stop, stop. I feel terrible. Yeah. Um. And as well, I didn't really get hungry the same way as I would when I one didn't overeat, but two didn't eat that type of food. Yeah. Um. So that was the biggest challenge I found. I find there's a couple of interesting things because I I had similar but kind of some other issues as well like I'd had the big porridge before I left the house I met you for brunch and like I went out for and chose what was the perceived healthier options yeah. on the menu so scrambled eggs uh, avocado all these kind of things and again like the, the portion size of avocado that you get in a restaurant is nowhere near the no. correct portion size of avocado that you should be having I looked at it and there was probably um, however many spoons of avocado like or, oh my guacamole on the plate it was coming out at like three times the amount of fats that I should have been having with that meal yeah so it's kind of i thought that was really interesting is looking at what you're having in restaurants again even though you think you're picking the best things the calories and the quantity might still be too high but what i found interesting was um like throughout the day i was quite active that day um like i'd done a bit done training uh did we train together that day did we both do a bit of training i went for a run i didn't yeah, train with you I, I did a bit of training try build up an appetite you and Mike. yeah yeah and i was very hungry after i trained yeah. and i ate loads but after that i kind of i basically went and sat at home i watched the other rugby was on there was a couple of different things on i just chilled on the couch all day and i didn't get hungry like i just wasn't hungry yeah. because i wasn't active um and it sounds for you i know you went to the match and stuff but really sitting around for long periods of time not as active as you would usually be no so like you know how it, how it affects your appetite with your activity levels because then I went in the afternoon I was playing golf that, that evening um, and you know I started to get very hungry again um, when I got active all yeah. of a sudden so I kind of find it's it's interesting that for me when I'm very active I get very very hungry and I can actually tend to make poor choices with my food like if I come home from a long day if I've trained in the gym if I didn't have a meal in a certain period of time that's when I kind of think my god I'd love now to eat something like a Domino's or whatever it was whereas if I was consistently tipping away at food throughout the day and consistently staying active I wouldn't have had that sort of long period where I'm sitting on the couch bored thinking about eating bad food bored you know getting an opportunity to when I finally am hungry I feel like I'm gonna gorge I thought it was very interesting that um you know, if you stay active, that your just mind has you in a frame of mind of eating healthier foods. I thought that that was one of the big things I found throughout today. Yeah, I think that's something that I've definitely experienced in my time over the years. But even just working with people is, say, for instance, if you, you so for me, training someone, if they're in a routine and they're training regular, going from not training, then the food tends to get better automatically to start to make better choices. But then the other thing is it's easier to motivate them to keep making better choices, to make changes. Whereas, say, for instance, that same person gets injured or gets sick and they can't train. Sometimes the motivation to eat better when you're not active at all 
because you you're kind of boxing it all in the same thing in your mind as in if I'm training, I'm eating better. Yeah. Whereas, in my mind, they're two separate things, but they definitely help each For other. Sure, yeah. Because even you you talk about there being more when you're more active, you're more likely to almost justify certain foods to yeah. yourself because you're like I've been so active, and that's something I see a huge amount with the people I coach is sometimes when people train more, they actually can put on weight. Yeah. And you think, well, their energy expenditure is going up. But what I find is subconsciously or consciously, either they're they're in their head thinking, well, I'm training more, I can eat more now. Or just subconsciously, part of their brain is going, I'm doing all this. And then you're sneaking in bits of food and things are creeping in or just your portion sizes are getting bigger because you feel you can out-train what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and that's something I definitely see with people I coach is an increased energy expenditure during the day, unless you're aware of it, can lead to people overeating, either through justification or it just can happen kind of... Subconsciously. Subconsciously. Yeah. And the other thing with that I found was uh, like when I was sitting on the couch and like not doing a lot, it was quite easy to graze and uh, you know have food readily available, have access to food yeah. if I want to walk around to the shop and get something. Now, granted, I'm trying to eat as much as I can here, but I still found that I just related it to days where I might be sitting at home when there's a lot of rugby on and you're watching two or three games in a row, kind of thinking, this isn't too abnormal to what I might usually do. I might have a meal during the first game. I might have something small during the second game. By the time the third game comes around that, that evening, I'm having another meal. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was like, this is reasonably similar to what I usually do. But then when I was out golfing uh, like active it could be the same as going for a walk or going for a jog or just doing something where you're active uh, I just didn't have time to eat yeah. I couldn't eat as much I kept having to take breaks to take food out of my bag to try eat it I was trying to eat porridge and it took me I had a huge Nutribullet shaker of porridge and it took me the four hours to eat it. Yeah. Now, granted, there was probably nearly 2,000 calories in it with everything that I had in. But it took me nearly four hours to actually get through that because I was moving and I was preoccupied. So I, th- I think another thing that comes into it is, you know, if you're sitting around, um, you're going to graze out of boredom. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you keep your mind active and keep your body is even something very light, it's not that strenuous, you're less likely to have the opportunity to just graze on food and kind of snack away all the time. I anecdotally I've seen it myself recently so um since we had um Alan on he's talking about the circadian rhythms he talked about that idea of eating in 12 hour windows yeah and I was like okay I'm going to try this now um and also I'm trying to lose weight for the marathon so that kind of fits in nicely with what I'm doing because it gives me less chance to eat during the day yeah. so I've been doing that so what I do is I come in I'll coach from half 5 through till 9 30 10 and then i'll normally have a break so at that point in the morning come six seven i get very hungry but then you just push past that initial bit of hunger and then you're not as hungry anymore because yeah, yeah. you're up moving you, know, you don't have food right in front of you and then when i'm eating then i'm not starving starving like i might be before because you just push past that initial bit yeah, of hunger yeah. and because you're moving you're not sitting around looking at food all the time then you can kind of be less hungry um, and just what you're talking about there, that scenario of sitting down, bumper of matches, watching two or three in a row and the house, uh, social occasion. That's something I see a lot with myself. I've got to be really aware of when I'm trying to lose body fat, um, but with people I coach. So if you think of it with regards to weight loss, it's maintaining that slight calorie deficit is yeah. one of the key principles. What I find is people tend to be 
on point with that five days in the week and then the two days of the weekend they aren't and then that can stall progress and then that leads to demotivation because it's like I'm putting in all this effort but I'm not getting where I want to go but there it's human nature we tend to discount certain things and look at other things so the weekend overeating if you take what we were doing there so that was a really extreme example where we both tried to push for 10,000 calories yeah but where you were talking about that idea of it's so easy to get like 4,000, 5,000 over a day without even trying just by eating when you're not hungry yeah. or eating because of social cues. I see that all the time with people I'm coaching where Saturday and Sunday, their environment or being less active than they would be during the week or having easier access to food or maybe everyone else around them is eating is yeah. one of the huge things they have to be aware of. Because it's so easy to take yourself out of that calorie deficit without necessarily trying. You have to be more aware and more mindful and say no to things in that environment than it would be in your working week where you're constantly busy going from A to B, doing job to job uh, and not sitting around thinking about food. But that's something that I see with a lot of people that I coach as well, um, especially over the last couple of years. And I think it's probably just we might have become a little, I'm going to use the term stricter as coaches, but I just think that our filter for kind of... um, sort of kind of bullshit that you hear sometimes from you know in terms of like I was forced or it was I had to eat this or I had to eat that like at the start when I was coaching people I would have really tried to empathize with them and understand and you know try find ways to get around these things but I've gotten to the point now with some people on coaching and I just go no you didn't have to do that like you're a big boy or you're a big girl you knew you were going out for dinner or whatever it was or going to a birthday party where there's cake and there's whatever kind of food you could have eaten earlier and not been as hungry when you got there like you know there's certain situations where things are out of your control but the vast majority of time people are honest and they actually sit down and go is this in my control could I have eaten better we've had it with loads of people on the podcast before the transformation winners yeah. they said it was simple things like um you know like making decisions to like every morning prepare your breakfast even if you're going on a holiday like okay one of my meals will be at home like people who really want it will find a way of doing it that's kind of the first thing from what you're talking about I think there people are need to be a bit more accountable and like you said no understand how easy it is to slip from a calorie deficit into a calorie surplus again and, and it that undoes all the hard work and because of literally maybe one day where you have nothing wrong you're just not as mindful of what's happening you feel like the whole week has been a waste or the whole journey that you're on has been a waste and then you become disheartened for me that's one of the most disappointing and upsetting things to see as a coach is someone do so much hard work and then unintentionally not because they were weak and went on the piss or did whatever but because they just slipped off mentally a little bit and weren't as as proactive and thoughtful in what they're doing i really hate to see people slip up because of that because they're the ones that blame themselves uh, which is which is a real shame and it starts kind of a negative psychological process but the other thing you were talking about there was over the weekend with being less active we got nice fitbits there recently and yeah. um, i'd never worn them before i know you had when you were trying a huge transformation when you went from yeah. to like six percent but five point five both about five, 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 five point four and five point two, if I'm correct. The lowest, yeah, like you know, incredible stuff. But you credited a lot of that to wearing the Fitbit, yeah. And what I've done is I've had mine on for the last two weeks. Um, I like honestly some crazy things. And on the first day I wore it, um, you know, I'd realized how many calories I clocked having a bad night's sleep. So how many more calories I burnt from not getting good quality sleep? So automatically my body is at a disadvantage because it hasn't had the opportunity to repair as well as it could between light sleep where my brain's recovering, deep sleep where the muscles are recovering. My, my heart rate was elevated a lot during the night compared to other nights where, you know, my sleep quality was better. I burnt less calories. Then when I come in and take classes in the morning, so being active in the morning, uh, clocking nearly 10,000 steps in two and a half hours from not moving that much. I even saw a huge difference between coaching Metcons in one of the gyms and when I was coaching SNCs in the other gym. I would 
have thought doing an S&C between lifting equipment, I'd probably burn a lot more calories and be more active. But I'm not because I'm standing watching technique more and giving feedback and taking scores at the board. Whereas when I'm down here doing Metcons, just moving around in small circles, I clock 5,000 steps more one day on the next, which, you know, was working out a couple of hundred calories. Um, so after looking at days of working, I then had a look to say, right, I had a lot of clients away on holidays at the minute. So you're looking at the calories that you burn on a normal day working. When I had two clients come back on a Monday that had been away on holidays, I clocked 700 calories more between those two PTs. And again, I'm just on my feet. I'm not incredibly active, but it really showed to me how just being active and moving more while people are sitting at their desks, if they're getting up and they're clocking five minutes of walking around every day sitting at the desk, how many more calories that they could burn. I was shocked when I looked at it. And then looking at it when we were away for Mike's wedding last weekend, the days where you're kind of, you're not moving around quite as much. I was burning one third of the calories that I would burn on a normal day, clocking one third of the steps that I would clock on a normal day at work when I'm not actually moving around that much. But just when you put me sitting down, uh, you know, not more, more social occasions, I'm not conscious of moving around as much because my mind is distracted. I found it incredible to see the breakdown of literally burning three times more calories from just a normal day's work where I'm not incredibly active over kind of three, four hours of classes or PTs. Yeah, and it, the movement piece is huge. So neat non-exercise, active thermogenesis, that's huge when it comes to the amount of calories you burn during the day. So there's a graph, and I've used it a few times in my talks, where I look at your, you know, the amount you just burn at rest, your BMO. Then the next piece is your NEAT, and that's the next biggest piece. And then the exercise goes on top of that. Mm. So mm. for ourselves in the health and fitness industry, or people who love to train, it's something that... <laughs> can be overlooked because the fun stuff is going in and killing your hour in the gym, hitting your PRs, really getting after it on that long run. But the kind of the little habits, like you talked about walking more, getting up, walking, or even if we tie it back to the weekends, your weekend overeating. So normally what happens is people tie in their least active days with the days they consume the most calories. So that's... (laughs) Recipe for disaster. If if you're looking to lose fat, that's definitely a stumbling block and why you're not. So the kind of things you can do is one, definitely side of equation we talked about where being more mindful of what you're doing on a weekend, trying to tailor it down, trying to make sure that you're making better choices all the time. But the other thing is be more active. So... So much of kind of our social occasions might revolve going for lunch. If you drive to where you're going for lunch and you sit down and you eat it, simple thing I like to do on a weekend is just walk to that place. Mm. So walk 20 minutes to the place where you're going for coffee with the lads and then have your meal and then walk back. Yeah. That can make a huge difference. Because now on your day that you're taking off from training, you're being more active. But from a physical and mental health standpoint, Moving more is one of the highest correlated things to better health. But also from a mental health standpoint, if you've ever been really stressed and you just turn off your phone or put it in your pocket and then you just go and walk for 20 minutes outside, clear your head. For me, it does wonders for clearing my head when I'm stressed. So if you think of on a weekend when you're trying to be a bit more relaxed than you would be during the week, going out and just getting off your phone, get off Instagram, get off all that type of stuff and just go for a walk for 20 minutes one, it's going to help you to be healthier. Two, it's going to help you to burn more calories. But three, you'd be really be surprised how good it is for your mental health. Yeah. Getting out and getting moving in nature. For sure. So, like, And it's funny, like, to kind of, I suppose, the best way to wrap up the episode is probably looking at how 
I think that the best thing that we could have tried to do is just some, something different, experiment with this, give it a go, see what you learn. I'd love to see people to just, I think really good advice is something if they are interested in tracking their calories, uh, something like a, a wearable where, you know, you see how many calories you're clocking up there, even steps on an iPhone, it yeah. kind of gives you a good indicator or, or smartphones, they tend to do this. But also just try track your calories on my fitness pal or something for a couple of days yeah. and see what difference is I, th- I think people will be very surprised and then you're equipped with the tools to make some better choices going forward definitely and i think to caveat that as well the idea of not getting too hung up on these things as well so i see these tools as hugely useful for people wearing a fitbit seeing how many calories or steps or whatever the metric is and the same with tracking their calories again can be really really useful but then i've also seen it become a negative thing at a certain yeah. point for people when they get so hung up on did they get over that 10,000 steps yeah. or did, so i definitely would say that as well guys when you're doing this is just go and do it with a case of experimenting yeah. and seeing and collecting data as opposed to being super strict or super stringent um like what's really what, important and what you're determining is it's not what the number on the phone says no. or the numbers or whatever it says it's how you feel yeah and what, what you feel like you've learned and what you understand and how how you know to work your body a little bit better whether it's eating less food eating more food on certain days like you know those numbers are giving you tools that you can use every day because you're not always going to have your fitbit or your phone no. or something to weigh your calories but like when you go and experiment with the day to actually learn and gain knowledge that should stick with you forever or at least for a long time moving forward instead of well oh what did my phone say okay i need to go walk more like you need to understand what this stuff feels like i think that'll be the biggest thing for me and i've definitely learned from experimenting just the whole idea of calories with the challenge also using the fitbit over the last couple of weeks i know now what it takes even though i don't have the watch on me right now like i know i've got up every hour and i've moved or i've done something Uh, i think using these things to help you experiment and like you said to learn and have the tools going forward to properly make better choices will really help people and as well, if you can, try and make these tools, these numbers, fun as well. So for us, we did it where we did it together. I'm not recommending people go out and do a 10,000 calorie, but we did something that was a bit of an experiment, a bit of fun. And yeah. we had we had really good fun and good crack. And we got people who were involved in the gym and people who follow the podcast coming in and having fun with us and kind of getting involved in the experience. But you could do that simply with the Fitbit or any activity tracker where you make it a bit of a game between people, a bit yeah. of a bet, or even just for yourself is when you're uh, at a certain number trying to like make a game of it with yourself can yeah. help to motivate you to on a day-to-day basis to move more. It can be a really good thing or um, anything like that where you're kind of making it into a game, making it fun as opposed to a stick to beat yourself with really is what I'm saying. Yeah. Awesome. And I think the best way to wrap up the episode is uh, Dara, the podcast producer, came up with a suggestion there that we do a a team sort of 10,000 calorie challenge. I don't know if we do a 10,000 one for this, but he was basically coming up with the idea of testing different diets against each other. So it might be interesting to look at getting a few of the guys from the gym to take on one certain food group or certain type and see if we could do a little bit of a challenge between us all. Uh, I do not want to do the vegan one for 5,000 calories. I can't see that being good. (laughs) But uh, listen, I think there's loads of things in that, Rudds. Sign off. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Well, I-